Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast episode number 22. And we started dancing. I felt, of course, from the beginning that she that she's a beginner. Mm-hmm. But something, I don't know, I cannot explain to this day, something clicked with us. And we danced almost 30, 40 minutes nonstop. Nice. I don't the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast, the podcast dedicated to inspiring dancers worldwide whose hearts have been touched by music and dance. The universal language of dance and music is spoken by many of us throughout the world. We want to motivate the dancer in you by sharing stories, insights, and ideas to enhance your journey. Join us now with your host, Charles Ogar. Hello, hello, everyone. This is Charles with the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast. And today we have a special guest. Our special guest is Nemanja Sonero, who is a Kizoma instructor based out of Estonia currently, but originally from Serbia. Um, I remember the very first time I saw Nemanja on Facebook was actually through some of the Kizoma tutorial videos that he has online uh, through Mice Kizomba. And he also has a lot of YouTube videos as well for tutorials for Kizoma so we'll be sure to put that in the show notes to let you guys see that but I'm really excited to have him here he's been teaching Kizoma for a very long time Um, I'm excited to hear his perspective and his journey and I think it'll help a lot of listeners give a different uh, shed a different light on the basics of Kizomba and the culture and things like that and that's what this podcast is all about we're definitely sharing the opinions and perspectives of a lot of different people to kind of help you guys realize what's out there and give you guys a little taste of what's going on, what seems so far away in in European countries where they've been dancing Kizomba for quite a while now. How are you doing, Nemanja? Good uh, afternoon for you and good evening for us here. (laughs) Yes, I think the difference is eight hours, I think. Yeah, eight, eight hours difference, yeah. Yeah, here in Estonia it's already, uh, let me check, 9.40, yeah. Awesome, awesome. Well, I definitely appreciate you taking some time after your Kizoma classes to talk with us. And I know we've been trying to get the schedule going for quite a while now, but with yeah, persistence, everything is possible, yes? Yeah, of course. Uh, I apologize. I couldn't meet before, but I was really this summer was uh, I was almost not home at all. I was traveling nonstop, but I'm really happy to be, you know, finally talking to you. So, yes, for sure. Um, I appreciate you coming here as well. So I gave our audience a little bit of an intro. And obviously, you know more about yourself than I knew about you. So um, go ahead and let our audience know a little bit about what you do, what you do today, and a little bit about your background. And then we'll dig a little deeper. Well, today, I mean, I live in Estonia already for four and a half years. And uh, yeah, I'm based here. I teach here. And uh I organize a festival with my with my team here in Estonia. We have a festival in October, uh, 
So yeah, it's been four years since I moved away from Serbia where I was born and uh, since then it's been my new home and the uh, base for travels and everything I do. So yeah, I like it here. I really like it here. All right, all right. And how long have you been teaching Kizomba now? Uh, teaching, I think my first class I gave 2007 or eight. I'm not sure. Uh, it was, I think, one, two years more or less after the first time I actually started uh, learning Kizomba. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and since then, yeah, I didn't stop. Okay, awesome. Before we get into the history of how you found Kizomba, um, what would you say initiated you or inspired you to start teaching at that particular time? Well, teaching-wise, I, I mean, I teach already for, it's been, it's almost 15, 16 years since I teach dance. I started very young. Mm -hmm. uh, I started learning capoeira as a teenager, and uh, it's a martial arts mixed dance mm -hmm. uh, from Brazil. It's called Capoeira de Angola, Capoeira from Angola, and uh, I started by accident teaching actually because my teacher had to leave leave the country because 1998 we had the war mm. in serbia in serbia so he had to leave the country because he was not from serbia and uh, after the war was finished there was a few of us uh, left from the group from the original capoeira group and mm -hmm. we all just wanted to continue training we wanted to continue doing what we do but we didn't have a teacher so let's say the best students from the group. <laughs> uh -huh. The group, the best students from the group, which was my friend Alexander and me, we just said, okay, we're just gonna continue and uh, the only way we can continue doing this is to start a group. Mm. So I was not super happy I'm gonna teach because I, I, was, I was young, I was 17, 18. Mm -hmm. But uh, it actually kick-started what I do today, which is teaching since then, full power, nonstop, so... I learned to like it a lot, and uh, it got me to where I am now. That's amazing. Um, I'm not sure if you've heard of Ronnie, but Ronnie is from Kurdistan, and uh -huh. his family actually immigrated from Kurdistan to Stockholm, Sweden, also because of a war, and they had mm -hmm. to kind of flee their country and look for refuge in another country. So. It's interesting how wars affect that. And then also if you talk about the history of Angola and their civil war and how they won the independence. It's, it's interesting how these things affect people in that particular time. And then as a result of that, it shifts and the cultures merge and fuse and, and things like that. I'm pretty sure at the time it was a pretty difficult time. It's a sad time. It's not a happy time, you know. Um, but then when you look back at it, it's like, hmm, look at how things were kind of quote-unquote forced to happen because of those things, you know? It's interesting. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's interesting and for, I can speak from my experience, it mm -hmm. was, uh, for me, especially in that period, because the war, exactly that one, with uh, NATO bombing, it was three months period lasting, so it was more or less we spent most of the time on the ground, mm. in the shelter, but... Uh, I remember when we would actually go out during the daylight when the sirens were signaling the the attack was over. Mm -hmm. There was a few hours of breaks usually during the day, so I remember I would go out with my friends outside. I would, uh, I would, you know, I would just play capoeira on the street or I would just dance for myself. And uh, it was my way, at least, to, you know, stay, stay, 
let's say stay sane and to yeah. just have fun and to enjoy life even in those crazy moments so mm-hmm. dance yeah dance definitely in many ways saved my life <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I'm glad to hear it um it's, it's some of those perspectives that especially us here in the u.s um don't have access to so it's definitely awesome to hear your perspective because it definitely gives an appreciation for what you guys have been through and kind of gives just perspective i guess on on the global occurrences you're like okay yeah there's people over there and yes yeah, affected people then but to sit down and talk with somebody and have something in common as and then and then this point it's kizomba with with some of those people who are affected by those wars is kind of awesome to hear you know yeah for sure i i, I heard a little bit about Ronnie's story i don't know all the details but mm-hmm. uh, yeah i know people come from different countries that i know they've been through similar situations so dance definitely is a is a wonderful gift mm-hmm. for, for, for for us who've been through this so yeah all right so let's uh continue to go back in time a little bit and let's talk about how you got started into dance um i know you mentioned the capoeira and i think even in the pre-podcast talk you mentioned that you danced a lot of other dances so i'm curious to see how that all got started for you well let's say of that's that's officially more seriously i started uh when i was i think 14 if i remember before that i was uh mostly dancing dancing for fun nothing seriously mm-hmm. but uh i was i just started high school and uh I was a really, I was a really bad student because I didn't want to go to school. I just wanted to do my stuff, which was music and mm-hmm. art, and just didn't like in general the whole school system. I didn't, and uh, I just didn't find myself doing these things. Mm-hmm. So I started hanging out with some not so bad, not so good kids, you know. Yeah. In my neighborhood, and uh, I was listening to a lot of hip hop, and I was doing a lot of stupid stuff back then. Yeah, I hear so, you. So my brother saw what's happening and he just said one day, I remember, I, I ran away from school, I went to see him at work and uh, he just said, like, yo, like, let's go tonight to Capoeira. And I was like, Capoeira, what is that? He's like, yeah, you know, he's like dancing and, and you know, martial arts is a mix, let's go. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, okay, maybe, okay. And then he convinced me, we went there and uh, I was very confused because when I came to the room, there was some music, there was instruments, people were singing, and then <laughs> I thought it was some cult or something. <laughs> and and uh, because it was new for me, especially mm-hmm. in our culture, it was very strange. And uh, but I did that one class, and some I don't know, I just fell in love with it, and uh, it was uh, it was I believe the the best decision my brother could have made to you know take me from the streets and to put my focus into something more constructive so mm-hmm. I thank him to this day because he if, if he might you know if he didn't do that I might not been you know I wouldn't be here maybe so this was my beginning with capoeira and then after that I started you know with with years I started different martial arts also mm-hmm. I did a lot of uh, I started with jazz I started with contemporary uh 2003, I think I started first class. I went to salsa. Mm-hmm. I, I went to salsa class with one uh, local Cuban teacher called Choma, and uh, I started back then. That was actually my first contact with uh, partner dancing. Yeah, so salsa was your first partner dance? Yeah, it was salsa, uh, bachata, Cuban son, mm-hmm. 
uh, done well, a little bit of done some, but mostly Cuban Son. Uh, so these were like my basics in part. Before that, it was all solo solo dances. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask about that because um, part of I guess my research, just looking at partner dances in general, salsa, bachata, tango, kizomba, um, where did these all kind of start, you know? And I was curious to see if there is any partner dancing just like, quote unquote, traditionally from Serbia. Um, But I guess it was more all solo dancing at that time, yeah? Or was there Uh, any dancing in Serbia? Yeah, of course, we have actually a really rich uh, dance tradition, especially in the traditional folk dances. Mm -hmm. uh, They're not really like in in the form of a frame and a couple, Mm -hmm. like we have certain moments, but it's mostly solo dancing Mm -hmm. or group dancing, circle holding hands. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, there's really a lot of different styles, uh, different diff- from different parts of the country. Yeah. But uh, honestly, I, I I was never too interested in learning them. So mm-hmm. <laughs> usually only on the weddings, if people, you know, you just have some fun with your friends. They play uh-huh. music. So yeah. But I never studied or anything. I did never did really any serious serious learning unfortunately one day maybe okay no problem no it's interesting because like just looking back at at, like dance and music historically like the further you go back more the more dance was more like a ritual it was for a ceremony or for a wedding or something important you know and now dance is becoming something that's more leisurely you know so that 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 transition is is interesting to see when things started to becoming oh well i'm bored on a friday night let's go out dancing versus oh my sister's getting married and i'm going to have to go do this dance thing to kind of celebrate (laughs) people coming together you know well yeah this well of course i mean the the let's say the folk dances especially Mm -hmm. for the young young people are usually not interested And, uh, you know, the, usually the new generation wants the new things that that are uh, trended and you actual, you know, uh, happening now because mm-hmm. I, I was never interested in learning these dances and wearing all these traditional costumes. I mm-hmm. mean, it's just not my not my thing. And, uh, of course, we're going to, you know, turn to hip hop, to R&B or to clubs and uh-huh. it just fits, fits for at, least, at least me back then. Yeah, for sure. So I have another question that kind of sparked my my curiosity. To hear you go from capoeira um, into contemporary and into jazz, those are definitely more dedicated dances like that require a little bit more discipline to go to those, you know? And capoeira, especially like coming off the streets, okay, you're a martial arts, so it's still considered more quote unquote macho, you know? Uh, okay, I'm not dancing, I'm really fighting and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. how did that transition go from capoeira to like, okay, let me take the dance part more, more seriously? Well, capoeira in, in its form, it's a lot of things. It's okay. It's martial arts, but, mm-hmm. uh, originally how it was created nowadays, it's still a martial arts, but it's not the main focus anymore. Mm. Uh, it's so much about the the movement itself, the dance, the music, the instruments, the songs, the culture, uh, interacting with people, and as we as we say, it's not fighting; it's it's a game. So it's, it's an interaction of two people, question answer way of uh, fighting, let's say. And uh, for me, I was in love in the movement. I I, I just 
it was so interesting for me to experiment with the possibilities of the body to move in this way or that mm -hmm. way. And uh, this was my first law, which was the, the movement itself. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I was always curious to actually start other things and explore what are the possibilities mm -hmm. of the body. And uh, it was interesting for me to start a couple of dances because I saw it as something new. Mm -hmm. And uh, I also wanted something new because I, I honestly have to admit, I get really bored mm. very, very fast. <laughs> <laughs> Like with 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 things, you know, I I get it. I get obsessed. If I start something, I get super obsessed until I get really good at it, mm -hmm. and then I'm like, okay, next. Yeah. And uh, and I start something new, and this is my whole life. Mm -hmm. And I like it because I learn new things all the time. This mm -hmm. kind of keeps me going. But uh, back then, I saw salts and I saw an opportunity to simply grow and to learn something new, to explore more of the movement mm -hmm. in couple. And I liked, of course. There was girls there, and <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it it was the time for me to focus also not only on dance. So yeah. this also helped. <laughs> okay, awesome, awesome, awesome. So the key word of what you just said, which is really awesome, is um, you get bored easily, and that's actually going to be something that we're going to be talking about upcoming because one of the videos or one of the first videos that you put out on Facebook was uh, some why some of the leads in Kizomba find the basics boring. And so we will definitely talk about that. But before we get into that subject, I would like to hear your story of how you found out about Kizomba. Uh, Kizomba, even before Kizomba, I first actually heard about Semba. Mm -hmm. Because I started uh, 2000, even 2003, if I'm not mistaken, sometimes I mix the years really bad. Uh, I think I started salsa 2003, and uh, I was actually, even before that, I was a DJ. Uh, mm. Besides dancing and all these things, I actually was, I was a reggae DJ for a long time. A reggae radio. DJ? Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not a lot of people know this, but uh, I started first when I was in high school, like, like, house I don't, I don't mean house music but like dj at homes and mm -hmm. home parties i started mm -hmm. that i was using like uh, cassette players two of uh -huh. them and then then slowly later cds and then i was a big reggae fan i still am and mm -hmm. uh, one of my friends that was on the radio he invited me to host a show mm -hmm. because the old mc he left so i started djing first on radio mm -hmm. which was a huge opportunity because i was really young nice and uh, so I was basically started DJing already back then. So when I came to salsa, I also started DJing, you know, slowly salsa, mm -hmm. bachata. And on these parties that we did, uh, we had in time we had more and more people coming from the uh, Afri from the African embassies, mm -hmm. and uh, they would just join us because usually the people from the African embassy, you know, they don't go to public places, public mm -hmm. parties, so they just show up on private parties. And they liked our party because, you know, it's it's Latin. It's some of, some of it. It reminds them to you know about their music. So mm -hmm. they would also they would also bring their music, and they would I remember make me play a lot of different African music. So mm -hmm. they can they, they would get around in a circle. They would just start just start dancing. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of them was uh, one guy from the Angolan embassy called mm -hmm. Fula. And we actually got really close. Uh, we became good friends, and uh, I remember, he, you know, he said, "Hey, I have I have some really cool music. 
you just bring me some CDs. I'll, I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll, I'll burn some music for you. So I went to his house, and uh, I remember he started playing like also videos, like CDs and videos from his uh, country, from Angola. And it was I don't know the artist, but I remember there was a guy in the front singing uh, samba, and there was like three girls in the back dancing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said, I'm going to give you some uh, samba music. And I said, samba? He's mm-hmm. like, no, 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 not, not samba, samba. And because I knew samba, and he was like, no, 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 in Angola, it's samba. In mm-hmm. Brazil, it's it's samba. Mm-hmm. And uh, he gave me a lot of this music, and I didn't know much about it, but it, this, let's say, was my musical introduction to that. Mm-hmm. It was, a, I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, 2004, more or less. Okay. Three and uh, I was watching the videos. I was in, I was copying the dance a little bit, but I never really learned mm-hmm. much, nothing serious. He also mentioned Kizomba, but I, I, again, I, like I said, I didn't knew anything more. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of my first dance partners from Serbia, Jasna, she mm-hmm. was traveling to Portugal, two thousand six or even before, I think. Okay, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And we were dancing, we were teaching salsa together, bachata, blah, blah, blah. And uh, she said, let's learn kizomba. And I was like, I'm not so interested in it. And I also didn't know much about it. And mm-hmm. uh, she, she was very persistent, but I was also like, I don't know, I didn't like it much. So in the beginning, I was not a kizomba fan. Mm-hmm. And uh, then she started organizing some seminars and uh, slowly bringing different people. Mm-hmm. And the first teacher she brought to Serbia was actually one of the first teachers who left Portugal mm-hmm. to, to teach outside of, uh, of Portugal. And his name was uh, Benjamin Nande. Okay. I haven't heard of him. Well, he's not a lot of people know this, but he's actually the first who left Portugal to teach uh, Kizomba and to like really spread it across Europe. Benjamin. And Nande, Nande, yeah. Nande. Okay. Yeah. And uh, he le- first was, I think, 2005, six. he was in uh, Poland, because Poland was one of the first countries in Europe after Portugal to start Kizomba. And then he came to Serbia, and then he started the workshops, and then I booked him for my congress that I organized back then. Mm-hmm. And uh, then Jasna also brought Afro-Latin connection, Ricardo and Paolo. So, mm-hmm. so the scene was growing. And uh, that was also one of my beginnings for Kizomba. So, yeah, this was this is how I started. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So you you mentioned that you didn't like Kizomba all that much at the beginning. So when did you, I guess, fall in love with Kizomba? I didn't understand it. I did. I mean, I liked. The, I really loved the music. Mm-hmm. But back then, in those days, I mean, Benjamin, for me, was my first class. My mm-hmm. first, I mean, okay, yes, maybe actually was my first class. She was, uh, she was the first one who ever showed me anything about Kizomba. But let's say uh, I didn't understand it much. I, I believe it's also because back then there was no real, uh, maybe, system or good way to explain it. Mm-hmm. Because my mind was very analytical already and trained, and uh, I was already a teacher, I was already a professional dancer, so I couldn't understand, I remember, the connection between the steps and the music. That was one of the most difficult things for me. Uh, The counting, especially the one, two, three, one, Mm -hmm. two, three, 
back then they were counting one to three and I couldn't just connect why do you finish with this leg why would you continue so mm-hmm. maybe it was maybe it was not you know with all the respect you know with Nande I really I'm super thankful mm-hmm. for, but still maybe just he just didn't fit me back then mm-hmm. which is which is fine and then later I found other teachers and uh, I slowly started actually understanding and connecting the dots in my head why is this like this because I just needed explanation a mm-hmm. little bit so, so I can get it definitely and uh, I slowly let's say I think I, I think I started understanding slowly back then so you know as you get to know someone better love comes along <laughs> yeah definitely alright awesome awesome to hear that thanks for sharing that I never heard of, of Benjamin's name before and I've definitely heard of Ricardo Van Paula, though. Uh, I got a chance to meet them a couple of times. So it's definitely awesome to hear how they've been spreading and kind of hearing and seeing the results of their efforts from back then into like more instructors that we have now, you know? Yeah, of course. It was their own, you know, everything has a beginning. And uh, mm-hmm. just to mention quickly, Benjamin Ante after was also Ricardo Paul and there was also Joao was coming. Mm-hmm. Rocha. Yeah, Joao Rocha was also coming to Serbia, so they were one of the first people who started spreading it. And uh, I mean, we are, we are lucky that they did. So it's good for everyone. Definitely. Awesome. So fast forward now, you're teaching Kizomba. Um, are you a full-time dance instructor now or have you always been or... Full time, yeah, not not uh, always. Of course, uh, when I started teaching, it was especially back back then in Serbia, it was not profitable, mm-hmm. and uh, it was almost I think impossible to live out of there out, mm-hmm. out of that. Uh, so I was always doing some side jobs, mm-hmm. and uh, but full time, yeah, it's been already for who I'm not sure honestly, like eight years, maybe more full time. Okay. Awesome. For me, it's been a little over two years now. So it's awesome to kind of listen to people and hear their stories who have been at it for more years than I am. It's like, okay, this, there's, I don't know, it just kind of gives a perspective. Okay, this is the track. There's people that have done this before you. And you're just kind of like walking down that track, even though I'm in a different continent, you know? Well, maybe for you guys, maybe in the States, I believe is a little bit, maybe if I could say easier to to live from dance mm-hmm. it's not easy for sure but uh, like I said in Serbia especially with all you know in the 90s we had two wars embargo inflation mm-hmm. and definitely millions of millions of things then beginning to thousand a lot of other economical issues so it's it I we always had to do a side job like I had many jobs on the side just mm-hmm. to so I can support myself and so I can dance also even though I was teaching so yeah, luckily that changed. So now I can I can do it full time, and I'm, I, f- I really feel blessed and thankful for that. Yes, that's awesome. So let's talk a little bit about your mindset and philosophy, if you will, when it comes to teaching Kizomba. You've been at it for eight years. Some of the videos that you put out on Facebook are really insightful. Um, I've shared a couple of videos myself, and it'll be awesome to kind of start to pick your brain in that regard. And we'll get into the importance and and the culture of the of the basic steps, you know. Pick my brain. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
So what was uh, what do you first wish to know? Your philosophy. So in the in the pre chat that we we're talking about, um, you mentioned the correlation of like in capoeira, they they teach the language, they teach the instruments and things like that. And I think there's some overlap with the way that you use in your approach for teaching kizomba. Uh, well, yeah, I uh, like I said, I started with capoeira. So the, let's say the mindset of the teachers, especially in the in the form of capoeira that I do, let's say we, you can call it traditional or, or the original form, or mm-hmm. uh, it's very focused on the, giving the people the whole experience mm-hmm. uh, which is the culture also and uh, it the same mentality the same philosophy I'm really doing my best to apply to all the other dances that I teach mm-hmm. and to so I really try my best to study all the dances to the fullest and uh, all the details so I can give that the same to the students and uh, capoeira is no different. I mean, for me, capo- uh, sorry, uh, kizomba is no different, mm-hmm. and uh, I see it the same way as any other dance. In a in a sense of, there's a lot of information, there's mm-hmm. a lot of details to be studied. Even after all these years of uh, kizomba, I still feel like a, like a beginner mm-hmm. in many in many ways. I, like I, I don't see the end of of uh, knowledge. Mm-hmm. And uh, I also feel lucky that I have my mentors who help me grow every day in it. And I also try to explore, of course. So, like I said, the capoeira mentality is that you come and you learn, you know, you learn the words in Portuguese. They motivate you to learn Portuguese in general. Mm -hmm. So you understand the music. And uh, a lot of the time, you know, we listen to music, but we don't know what they're talking about. We don't Mm -hmm. know what what is the core of it. So the music to instruments to everything, everything. So the same for me in Kizomba. And I do this every class in my with my students. I teach them what is the musical style they dance to, why maybe this came from this style of music into the dance for, you know, if it's Capo Verde, which dances influenced their Pasada, their Kizomba, uh, if it's from music from Angola, maybe this music connected to the dance, why, etc., etc. I think it's mm-hmm. all important for everyone who wish to teach. If, yeah. uh, if so, if you, I, but this is my philosophy. Maybe you know, some people say maybe I'm too strict, but <laughs> maybe I am. <laughs> but uh, but uh, this is how I see things. Let's take a quick moment to thank our sponsors. Have you been looking to level up your Kizomba, but you don't have the local instructors to take you there? Are you looking for something concrete to practice with your Kizomba partner? Or are you looking for Kizomba lessons that you can take on your schedule and the comfort of your home? If you answered yes to any of these questions, look no further. LearnToKiz.com is what you need. Progressive, step-by-step lessons that you can take at your pace in the comfort of your home or anywhere with a solid internet connection on your PC, Mac, or any smartphone. New videos are added every month. You can try this awesome resource out 30 days free at learntokids.com slash podcast. After the 30 days free, it's only a low $15 per month. But again, the special offer for the Dance Your Heart On Fire listeners, 30 days free at learntokids.com slash podcast. You won't find this offer anywhere else. learntokids.com slash podcast. And now back to our show. No, it's it's a good perspective to have. I mean, if you're passionate about something, you're going to want to know more about it, you know. And so on, along that discovery, 
um, even with myself doing some of these podcasts, it's like the more you find out, the more you realize you don't know, you know? So it's kind of like, <laughs> am I getting more knowledgeable or am I just really starting to realize how much information is out there, you know? And I mean, just knowledge in general, even outside the scope of dance is just expensive, you know? Yeah, I usually say uh, the more I know, the more I think I don't know anything. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about this first video um, where, I, well, at least I'm not sure if it's the first one, but one of the first ones that you put out where you asked the leads if they found the basic steps boring and the majority of them said yes. And you asked the follows, the ladies, if they found the basic steps for Kizoma boring and they said no. Um, what inspired that question and how did you, what did you do, especially after you asked that question to the guys, what was the, the home hitting point? Well, uh, this, this I usually ask. I mean, not every, not every class, not everywhere, but uh, uh, there are certain specific classes that I do when I when I teach workshops locally or in the festivals, and mm -hmm. uh, we have a lot of leading and following workshops, and uh, which usually take well. The intention is to take people uh, into let's say a world of connection, more focusing on the partner mm -hmm. and and the basics and the importance of basics. And the beauty for me, for me, uh, for me, the basic step is really the most beautiful thing. If, if you, if you really focus on it. So, I asked the students because I saw, I saw a lot of confusion also in the class, and mm -hmm. uh, that, that specifically I asked exactly the leaders like, is the basic step boring for you? Because the class that we had back then mm -hmm. was sim was simple walking. We were just walking across the room, forward and backwards. But uh, like I said, certain exercises with the hands and the frames mm -hmm. made made them focus only on the partner and the basic step. It was not they they couldn't have other options because usually you know we always want to do millions of other things mm -hmm. when we dance. And uh, I asked them in the end the question. Some guys said, "Yeah, it's boring," and the girls, when I asked them the same, they said, "No." And uh, it's good to ask people. This is also one of my, let's say, philosophies. I like to ask people because if I tell them, they or understand and take or they don't understand. But when you ask them something, it makes them think. Mm. Makes them uh, question things. It makes them uh, try to understand things from a different perspective. So I ask. I ask a lot of things usually to people and uh, I ask questions. And this is a good way to start a conversation. Mm -hmm, definitely. So why do you feel that the leaders or some of the leaders find the basic step boring in Kizomba? What, what has been your experience and what would be your advice to that person who finds the basic step boring for a leader? Uh, that, I think it depends on different, on different things. One of the elements, of course, can be also how long does the person dance because uh, the beginner usually is focused of course on the basic things mm -hmm. as the beginner grows as we say in dance reaches puberty in, mm -hmm. in dance you know in puberty like like in life you want to try everything you want to do everything mm -hmm. you want to go crazy 
and you want to experience and uh, show off and you know it's 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 the same in dance you want to do millions of things and to impress the lady mm-hmm. until you reach a certain age and you realize that it's not so important yeah <laughs> like in life yeah so like i said i think people need to go through this process i think people need to go through the, this dance puberty and to go through all these uh, vocabulary of movements and combinations to get back full circle again to the basics. Mm-hmm. And uh, our job as teachers is to re- to to take you know to help them go through that whole journey, uh, navigate if possible, and to get them to understand that again what is important to get back to the basics. For me, mm-hmm. it is the most important thing because in the clubs. Yeah, I teach a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I teach, I teach advanced and even higher levels of technical and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But again, when I'm in the club, mm-hmm. I do very minimalistic things with specific, maybe a little bit more advanced uh, details. So, like I said, this is this is my way of seeing things, and this is my way of trying to get my students reach that that level and just you know. We are, we are, gui- we are. I believe we need to guide them, not tell them what to do. Mm-hmm, definitely, I like that word of, of guiding the students down the process. You know, and like you said before, the full circle of, okay, let them see what's out there, let them understand, and then it's almost like they, they, they hit uh, a glass ceiling, if they will. You know, they, they see that they can't advance, or they're trying to do more advanced things, and it doesn't work. And then it's like, oh, why? Well, why isn't this working? It's like, oh, it's because. I don't have a solid foundation of my basic that's not making this easy, you know? So I think once they come to that realization, they come to that full circle, then it's like, ah, this is what he was telling me to do from the beginning. I didn't listen at the beginning, but I mean, I almost feel it's necessary for them to kind of like go through it. You know, I feel like, like you said before, you can tell them and either they believe you or they're not going to believe you, you know? Well, it, the, honestly, from all the I have, from all the dances that I did, mm-hmm. in every dance that I did, the basics, if we speak about the steps, mm-hmm. is honestly the most difficult thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in I started also ballet and other things. It's really, it's truly the most complicated thing, and uh, it it really demands, I believe, a lifetime of work mm-hmm. and. Uh, the basic changes for me. The basic my kizomba, for example, basics change. It changes every year. I feel mm. it's different. Yeah. I feel I feel it's progressing. I feel I'm researching. I feel I'm experimenting. Uh, I'm reacting differently to my partner. The music every year. I see a progress, and this is what keeps me going. And uh, mm. I I see I see myself in 50 years doing the same, like trying to figure out a way to improve it even more. Mm-hmm, definitely, I can I can definitely attest to that as well. I feel like in the past six months this year, it's like you enter like this new level of your basic steps and you feel more grounded and like more aware of the energy coming from your partner. And it's it's really interesting because it's like, okay, this is the same step that I know from the beginning when I first learned Kizomba, but it just, it just keeps getting more and more intricate, you know? Um, Another thing that I wanted to mention as well was and that's, this is going back to the basic steps being boring to some of the leads and not boring to some of the ladies. And one of the things I was talking to you about even before we did the podcast was just mental capacity. 
When a leader is focused on the steps, they usually sacrifice listening to the music and they sacrifice paying attention or connecting with their partner because all of their mental capacity is kind of focused on the steps and impressing and things like that, you know? But, and, and the followers feel this. They are, they're dancing with these guys, trying to do all the moves. They don't feel like they're being paid attention to. They feel ignored or they just feel like a puppet and they're just going through these moves that have no feeling, you know? But when the guy is focused on the basic steps, since those moves are quote unquote not as demanding uh, mentally, they're still difficult. It still takes time to, to polish them, if you will, you know, but they do have more mental capacity to focus on their partner and focus on the music. And that is such a, a more connected dance and it becomes more enjoyable for the follows. Yeah, the, I mean, all this aspect, I mean, I, I, when I made this video, I, I, I got a few comments from some people. Uh, I think they took a little bit too little what I said in mm -hmm. the way it's because I, it's, I didn't mean that this is the only way to, to dance with someone. And it's, mm -hmm. it's, and especially because I had also recently one student who asked me, which is a good question. He said, do you always like you're, oh, you're a professional. You always have a great dance with a lady. You always connect. And I said, it's not true. It's, uh, like I, I cannot Yes, we focus on the basics. Et cetera, so we, we we want to connect with the partner, but mm -hmm. it doesn't happen every every time. Mm -hmm. It truly doesn't. And uh, sometimes, I you know I feel it's it's someone I just met maybe, and I try to dance with them, but the connection is not there. It just mm -hmm. it just doesn't work. So I have to switch somehow. I have to make the dance maybe or fun, mm -hmm. or maybe in a different form, maybe interesting, or to figure out how to enjoy this dance because I cannot. You know, maybe this connection is not just, it just doesn't work with everyone. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's interesting this, to hear you mention that because I've talked about this with some of my friends and I feel like, like each dancer kind of has their own frequency, if you will. And when you dance with somebody who matches your frequency, you can just do the simplest things, but you just feel really, really, really connected the whole time, you know? But if you're not matching the same frequency sometimes, then it, it doesn't connect, you know, and it can. I mean, sometimes you feel really super connected with a complete stranger sometimes, you know, versus dancing with somebody that you've known for years. Yeah. Well, I had I, I can tell you this. Mm -hmm. One of my best dances that I remember to this day was in uh, Finland, I think, three years ago. Mm hmm. I remember I was backstage, uh, okay, I was coming back to, it was around 3 a.m., I was coming back into the room to dance, mm -hmm. there was only one lady available I saw, mm -hmm. she was leaning back on the stage, and I came to her, I never saw her before, mm -hmm. maybe in the workshop, I don't know her, I don't know the name, I just said, you want to dance? Yeah. And we started dancing, I felt, of course, from the beginning that, she, that she's a beginner. Mm -hmm. But something, I don't know, I cannot explain to this day, something clicked with us, and we danced almost 30, 40 minutes nonstop. I nice. don't know. And uh, she was a complete beginner, but the connection was there, and we focused on simple, very, very simple things. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was to this day one of my best dances. And uh, and it, I mean, it just testifies how. You know how, like you said, frequency is important mm -hmm. and uh, the connection. 
and I dance with one of the best dancers in the world, like I don't feel anything. <laughs> Honestly, I uh-huh. have to be, I mean, it's, it's all like, I, I'm not going to give names, of course, mm-hmm. but like, you know, you just, you think, oh, now, sometimes, you know, we think, oh, it's going to be a great dance. No, mm-hmm. it, 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 I just finish, I'm like, eh. Like, okay. Yeah, it's really interesting. So, some, I mean, it just goes to show that it's not really about the skill. Sometimes it's about the, the mindset or being open to connect with somebody, you know? Just finding that person and having the that unseen energy, that frequency that you can't really see, but you can feel. Yeah, exactly. Awesome, brother. So, to close out the podcast here, I wanted to talk a little bit about your ideas on culture. Um, we were talking a little bit before the podcast about um, the importance of the culture in Kizomba and and things of that nature and the importance of it and, and how you were kind of viewing a lot of the, I guess, Kizomba scene, if you will, focusing a lot on the exterior appearance versus the connection of it. Um, can you kind of explain that a little bit more for our listeners? Well, the Kizomba, when I started dancing Kizomba, let's say mm-hmm. it was this, it was it was different than it it is today. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kizomba has its form, as its original form, and uh, which is also the culture. That that is still the same, but people in the scene change a lot, which is also a good thing. I mean, we got so many good dancers and uh, so many new events, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but I believe some important things uh, are kind of missing out and uh, i travel a lot and i see i see it happening and mm-hmm. the global you know the 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 whole commercialization of kizomba is it has its pluses and minuses mm-hmm. uh, and uh, unfortunately too many i'm, I'm going to say it like this too many newcomers mm-hmm. The teachers the last few years are uh, skipping the culture part when teaching and uh, when promoting this dance because I mean I I, I my opinion mm-hmm. is that we cannot have this this dance without the culture. Uh, it doesn't mean you know first class someone comes and we just like okay now I have to learn the language this blah 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 no we take it gradually step by step but we cannot skip it. And uh, I'm not Angolan, I'm not African, but I grew up with uh, Latin people, with African people. I grew up with these cultures and I know how much it's important for them. Mm -hmm. How much is is important for them that we as, uh, let's say, non-Angolans, non-Palops, it's how important it is for them that we do our best to understand and give people... Uh, at least a piece of 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 what they are they are trying to you know give give to us all. So even if it's learning the language, I believe that's also one of the most important things: learning the language. Mm-hmm. Because when you learn the language, you can actually communicate with these people. You can you can learn. You can give a lot more. So the culture part is missing out, and I think Izomba will miss out in the future even more if we don't try to preserve this. Yes, definitely. I what Hearing you talk just now reminds me of the podcast that I did with uh, Quenda, uh, who's a Cape Verdean uh, Kizomba instructor. I'm pretty sure you've heard of him. 
and we talked about the the culture and we talked about art and dance being an art and dance dance also being a, a reflection of, of the culture at the same time and how those two worlds sometimes overlap and sometimes it's kind of opposing views and, and perspectives you know and we also talked about how culture is it's a very interesting thing to kind of even try to trace the history of just because there's so many influences from a lot of different places, you know, just like we were mentioning at the beginning of the podcast. I mean, sometimes it's war. Sometimes it could be somebody just moving or immigrating and cultures tend to fuse with one another. You know, uh, Cuba was a, a big help for Angola to, to win their independence. And so not only did they bring some military aid to Angola, but they also brought their music and their food and, some of their culture as well. And, and it's not like a, a one-way street either. It's also a two-way street. And to mm-hmm. try to trace the influences of all these different uh, overlapping cultural fusions, if you will, is kind of tough to realize how intricate, the uh, I guess, if you wanted to call it a, a quilt of all these different threads of influences of culture, it's, it's really expensive. And it's awesome to hear your perspective because hearing more and more of that, it's just like, man, this this really goes deep. It really does expand, and it's really expensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true, it's true. But I I I, I believe it, it's expensive, but it's worth it. Yes, it is. It's worth it, and uh, this is at least one of my one of my missions in what I do to do my best to learn more mm-hmm. and to give, give, give that back to, to, to people and to the dance. Mm-hmm. And this, I mean, Kizomba gave us so much and uh, sometimes we forget how much that is. And, uh, I believe we owe Kizomba much, uh, much, much, much more than what we're giving it now. And uh, that's why I believe we need to preserve this and, uh, you know, for the next generation coming also. No, I think it's important as well, especially I think, I mean, the fact that we have the technology that we have, we have these podcasts, we have uh, YouTube, we have Facebook and things like that is easier for us to kind of document and put these things out there in a kind of a, a format and put that information out there for people to hear and understand and listen to and kind of open up their minds to how rich and how how expensive the the history behind a lot of these dances are and not just kizomba but just partner dancing in general you know uh you take a look at the history of salsa and there's some african influence you take a look at the history of tango and there's an african influence you take the history at the look of uh, bachata and it's the same thing you know so it's interesting how these dances kind of started in different places, you know, and now we're at a point where we can kind of look at them individually and see some of the, the common threads between a lot of these partner dances, you know, because like you said before, a lot of these traditional folk dances weren't partner dances. They were more solo dances and more, I guess, community oriented ritual dances, if you will, for lack of a better word. Well, yeah, and you mentioned, for example, tango. Tango is, uh, even though some people don't want to admit, but it is the closest thing to kizomba uh, because it's it's a walking dance. Mm-hmm. Like kizomba, it's, tango is also a walking dance. It's a completely different feeling when you dance. It's completely different music, completely different everything. But system-wise, technical-wise, if we analyze and break down the technique mm-hmm. and the 
the basics there is a lot of similarities mm-hmm. especially as tango the roots of tango are also a little bit from angola mm-hmm. so so uh, what i would like because i also dance tango for example what tango did which i wish really wish for kizomba is that tango actually kept and they were really fighting for that they kept the culture they kept if you go to milonga the music is still from the 1930s like uh, the music is from 1930 1940s uh, the social aspect of you know men dressing up res- respecting the lady mm-hmm. uh, the way they dance the basics is still the same yeah tango changed a lot there's a new stage tango there's a lot of things but still on a social aspect mm-hmm. in the clubs let's say uh, it almost remained the same and people really fought for the the culture part to remain and so the students will actually learn also that and accept and transfer that to the next generation mm-hmm. this is what i wish for also for kizomba to 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 keep because now like i said it's getting really commercial mm-hmm. it has its downside which we just spoke about and uh, we need to figure out a way how to get back all this all this form which uh, which i believe is yeah well what what, what we spoke so I wish the same for Kizomba, what Tango, you know, went through, mm-hmm. and they also went through the same fights and all these things, so yeah. in the end, I believe they won. For sure, for sure. Um, so at this time, Nemanja, and thank you for all the time and, and insights that you've given us so far, I would like to give you the opportunity to just kind of give any advice to the listeners that we have on the podcast um, from your perspective, and after you finish with that, I would like you to kind of let people know what's the best way to find out more about you uh, online via Facebook or Instagram or whatever social media platforms you're using. Uh, insights on uh, what exactly? Kizomba, dance, life. Ah, um, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I always say enjoy the dance, like have fun, you know, and uh, yeah, we just spoke about the culture, you know, respect the culture, of course, mm-hmm. try to learn. Uh, I love hungry people. I love people. When I see, one of the things that excites me the most, and when I see, you know, people who who get very passionate about something, mm-hmm. and whatever it is, if it's you know paper making, plane, whatever. So I, I, uh, yeah, just learn more, be hungry, stay hungry, respect the culture, and uh, and have fun. Maybe this is one of the most important things. Enjoy, mm-hmm. enjoy, have fun. Definitely. And what's some of the best ways for people to find you if they want to find out more about you and what you do? Uh, Facebook, Nemanja Sonero. Uh, also, there's a page of my dance partner, Laura and me. Also on Facebook, uh, called Nemanja Laura. Uh, also, my YouTube channel, which we have all these instructional videos. Uh, it's also Nemanja Sonero. So basically anything with the same name uh, online you can find me and uh, we have also a festival in October in Estonia next next month so mm-hmm. so we have a lot of artists coming from all over Europe and uh, so yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of active things that I do so yeah if anyone wants to contact me welcome Okay awesome well, I will definitely uh, include all of those links in the show notes. So if you're listening to this podcast, um, you can head over to the website and see the show notes there. Um, you don't have to search. You can just go to the show notes and, and click on those things and find Nemanja. Nemanja, thank you so much for your time and your insights. 
and your knowledge i think it's important to get the stories of a lot of uh, different kizoma instructors out there just to kind of share that perspective of a lot of different instructors you know and like you said it's important to hear about the history and the culture and things like that to kind of i guess increase our appreciation for kizoma how it was back then and and what we have today yeah thank you for the inviting me to the show we finally found time and i'm happy we did so yeah all, all is good all right thank you so much thank you thank you for checking out the dance your heart on fire podcast today be sure to check out neokizomba.com for links to everything that we chatted about today as well as some awesome free resources to enhance your kizomba journey